Hey, welcome to the What on Earth Can We Do podcast, the show where we chat with environmental leaders from across Alberta to figure out what on earth we can do to take action against climate change and protect our environment. I'm your host, Bree, the Communications and Engagement Specialist at the Alberta Emerald Foundation. And today, in our final episode of the season, we're chatting with Patty Milligan from the Edmonton Urban Farm to learn how to start your own backyard garden. Patty is the Agriculture Education Specialist at the Edmonton Urban Farm, who was the recipient in the land category sponsored by the Alberta Real Estate Foundation at the 31st Annual Emerald Awards. The Emerald Awards showcases organizations, projects, and individuals from across Alberta working to address environmental and climate change issues. And on a little side note, nominations for the 32nd Annual Emerald Awards are open until February 14th, 2023. If you or someone you know is doing great environmental work in Alberta, we encourage you to nominate. You can get started on your nomination at emeraldfoundation.ca. And with that, let's get into our conversation with Patty. Thanks so much for joining me today, Patty. I'm so excited to chat with you. Oh, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So can you tell me a bit about your background and the work that the Urban Farm does? Sure. My background uh, has nothing to do with uh, urban farming at all, Um, but I've been working for five years uh, at the urban farm. I started there as the beekeeper. So I uh, started keeping bees. My first experience of keeping bees was in 1989, and then I bought a small business in 1999, and then I was approached when the urban farm was founded in 2014 to be the beekeeper, and then my role there shifted in 2018 to be um, what is called the an agriculture education specialist. So at Explore Edmonton, I just say that's a fancy name for con- connecting people to food and farming. And so we do it at our events like K-Days and Farm Fair and also at the Urban Farm. That's so great. And, and what is the mission and vision of the Urban Farm? Like, what are you guys aiming to do in Edmonton? The Urban Farm originally started as a way to show uh the possibilities of having actual economic production in um, in the city on a vacant uh, urban lot that was overgrown and filled with garbage. So it was sort of um, a combination of economic and educational, because while the business was growing greens, a wide variety of greens that were being sold at farmers markets and to to restaurants, uh, we were actually using that farm as a classroom. So we were bringing students in and and bringing adults who wanted to understand growing food. So it was kind of this combination of the economic and the um, educational that shifted a little bit in 2018. And now I would say, you know, we're this farm, we're about um, 22 different groups farm and they're community groups. They're farming, they're growing what they want. They're experimenting with different things. They're growing for their community. And then we use their gardens as a backdrop for our educational programs. So altogether, I, I say the urban farm, it, it, it's a farm, it's a classroom, and it's a community. And so those are the three sort of values that we are, we are balancing and, and they build on each other. It's, it's really, really exciting. Yeah, I love that. It was so great visiting the farm this past summer. Was it summer, September? Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was, it felt like summer. Yeah, it felt like summer. It was so beautiful, but yeah, it was amazing yeah. to come and see all of the groups that were gardening there 
and how, you know, I learned so much by just visiting for an hour. And, and yeah. I think it's such an amazing tool to have so close to the center of the city to teach, you know, adults and children about agriculture and also have that piece of people can actually farm there. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I agree. I love that. Yeah. And that kind of guides us into our next question before we take a deep dive into learning. Obviously, today's topic is about how to start your own backyard garden with fruits and vegetables and whatnot. But can you share a bit about the environmental benefits of starting your own garden? Maybe why someone should consider doing it? There are many, many benefits uh, to gardening when we think of the environment. And I think what we may be tempted to um, maybe jump to is uh, what what we started to be, when we started thinking about local food um, in the past 10 or 20 years, it, be, it became kind of a, a topic that lots of people were um, exploring and commenting on. I think we immediately imagined that we're reducing our food miles. And so we're producing food that doesn't have to be transported, doesn't necessarily have to be refrigerated, doesn't have to be put in the store, doesn't have to be handled very many times. So that imprint of the food goes way, way down. The only thing though, uh, and I, we probably have to watch for some research on that, is in general, most of us gardening are producing just a small portion of the food that we eat. So I don't want to overplay the food miles. I also think we um, imagine that our, our food security is increased and our, our, and our food bills come down. And again, we, we want to be careful with that because, um, again, even if we're growing some of our own food, and most of us are not, for instance, putting the whole backyard into garden and most of us are not necessarily putting in the hours that it would take to really cover your um, food bill and you know make yourself self-sustainable we even if you're on a farm with a ton of space most of us would not have the space and the labor to really become sustainable like self-sustaining that sounds sort of um uh grim or negative However, I really feel that the benefits that come from gardening, the benefits for the environment that come from us in our backyard or on our balcony doing some of our own gardening are huge. One of them is we're probably going to link it with composting. So there we are, we're going to be creating soil from our own food scraps, from our own leaves in our garden. If we're not like using a leaf blower to blow off our leaves, or we're gonna maybe be using our own um, uh, grass cuttings. So if we haven't dug up the whole lawn and we still have a little bit of lawn left, we're probably gonna, you know, we have a place for those grass cuttings to grow, to go, which is right at our homes and we can build soil. So here we are, maybe we're gardening in our backyard and we're, we're um, redirecting, um, resources and putting them into the soil so we're enriching the soil 
I think we're often planting things that are going to be um, creating a more biodiverse city. We're thinking about vegetables, but vegetables blossom. And maybe we're doing vegetables, but we're also putting in um, a fruit tree, or maybe we're doing vegetables and we're also putting in some annual flowers or some perennial flowers. And all of those things are creating an environment for a wide variety of insects, pollinators, uh, birds. Um, so I think we're, we can combine the growing of food with the biodiversification of our own backyard. And I think that is really, really useful to, um, to the environment and to the city as a whole. I, I, think, I think there's a wide variety of benefits that are really um, great and they, they might not always be obvious. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. Magnificent. Not only does the Alberta forest industry plant three trees for every one they harvest, but they actually plan 200 years in the future before harvesting a single tree. So future generations like your great, 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 great grandchildren can enjoy this forest too. Learn more at loveabforests.com. So now that we've kind of chatted about the reasons why someone should start a backyard garden or balcony garden, as you've been saying, what are the first steps? I know there's a few different ways you can do it. There's starting your seedlings, or maybe once summer kind of starts or spring, you go to the greenhouse and you buy your, your little starters and you plant yep. those, but yep. whichever one you want to start with or whichever one you think is best, uh, how, do, how do we start a garden? What's the first step? Sure. How do you start a garden? Honestly, if you're if you have soil and seeds, soil, seeds, water, like don't, sometimes I see people uh, thinking about it uh, and thinking about it and thinking about it and maybe feeling intimidated by it, especially if you didn't grow up in a, in a family or a community where you got to hang out with people who garden a lot. I, I was surrounded by gardeners my whole life. It was the key to, key to the life of many of the women that I grew up with. I talk about um, going with my grandmother to visit my great aunts and, and they would cut, they, you wouldn't even get in the house. They come out and then you tour the garden with them. And so sometimes I feel like I spent my childhood, you know, touring my great aunts gardens. And, uh, so it can be, so for me, I don't have any fear in the sense that I love to try things. I'll try seeds. I'll try this. I'll try that. I think really the most important message that I would give to people is to try. So, um, for instance, I had an experience once when I was assisting a seed producer, so someone who's growing seed, packaging it and selling it, and he had myriad numbers of amazing seeds, heritage seeds, all kinds of incredible seeds, and I remember witnessing a a woman speaking with her young daughter who was maybe four or five, and they were looking at probably a selection of about 20 or 30 different kinds of bean seeds. And, and this producer is amazing and has incredible descriptions of each, very detailed, how high, how wide, what good for storing, good for this, good for that. And I felt like I just witnessed this conversation and just watched them get completely overwhelmed. And I thought, you know, it's okay to not, you, you don't have to read through every description. It of course, if you're into it, go for it. But if if you're if you're literally wanting to try growing something for the first time, 
it doesn't matter if you're at the big box and you grab the sheet seeds off the shelf. It really does not matter. And I think sometimes people imagine they have to do things in a right way. And um, the right way is just getting seeds into the ground. So if we just said someone who has no experience in gardening was going to try something out this year, I would say, well, um, pick one or two crops that one or two vegetables that you like. Uh, you're going to probably have to do a little bit of soil amendment, uh, whether you're digging up the grass or getting some topsoil or garden mixture in there, or you, you're starting to build your compost and then plant some seeds, make sure they're watered. So that would be the absolute simplest. Um, with bedding plants, so when we are buying bedding plants, usually we are, not usually, the key thing that bedding plants give us is it allows us to get plants in the ground that's whose growing season is too long for our season. So for instance, we in Edmonton, we I think it's between May 10th and 20th that we usually have our last frost. People will often say uh, Victoria Day weekend, but it, it's actually generally a bit before that. And then our um, first frost comes between the 10th and 20th of September. Those are the average dates. I think that works out to 120 days. So anytime we have, uh, like when we look at a seed packet, and I think that's one thing that people too, like really, if we, if we spend some time just learning how to read the back of a seed packet, it brings anxiety way down. So if you look at a seed packet, every seed packet will say how many days to maturity. So if it's like 90 days, you know you can plant it in May, you're going to be harvesting in August. If it's 120 days, eek, you know, you might be a little tighter. If it's like 25 days or 30 days, like a lettuce, you can actually plant it and get a couple crops, right? So as soon as you read that seed packet, then you know. So if you looked at a tomato seed packet, it's too long. It's too long for us to put a tomato seed in the ground on May 10th and hope to harvest it on September 20th. They're too long. So what we do is we go to the greenhouse and we buy our bedding plant because it's already started. That plant might be six weeks old. We're gonna put it in our pot or in our garden and then we're gonna be able to harvest tomatoes before the frost. So tomatoes, eggplants, um, uh, peppers, those are all things that will um, take longer than what we need. But getting a bedding plant means that we can grow things that are longer for our season. So that's one reason. The other thing is, though, sometimes, um, sometimes greenhouses offer us bedding plants that like of vegetables that grow totally fine in our season. So it just means you get a bit a bit of a jump on it. Like broccoli, our season's long enough. Um, Pumpkins are seasons way long enough, right? Like it, it's very easy to just put a seed in the ground and you'll still get a pumpkin or you put a seed in the ground and you'll still get, get broccoli. But because maybe we just want it to go faster, we wanna be able to harvest it earlier, then you could get a bedding plant and, and put the bedding plant in the ground and then you've gained like three or four weeks. So you'll get broccoli or you'll get a pumpkin three or four weeks earlier than you normally would. But I remember having a conversation also with someone who was just starting a garden, uh, but was starting really late. Uh, no, she wasn't. I had a conversation with someone who was starting a garden and she was distraught because she didn't start any seeds. So she just thought that the gardening season was over for her. And it's like, no, 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 no. You could honestly, 
if you plant potatoes July 1st, you'll actually still get potatoes, right? Or, or for instance, lettuce or spinach, those things grow really fast and you can plant them um, multiple times during the summer. If you planted spinach August 1st, you're still gonna get, you know, a, a round of spinach by like September 1st. So sometimes I think we, we um, think we have to go faster than we need to or do more than we need to. And honestly, it's, it's good to relax, but it's true. I tend to start bedding. I do like to start plants. I love starting plants. Um, it's funny, I, but I give most of them away. I, I, my, my mother has a huge garden. I am always getting tons of vegetables in the, in the fall from her. And so I don't uh, feel the pressure that I have to grow a ton of food myself, but I love to start plants. So usually what I'll start are tomatoes. And I do really like, um, I do really like fooling around a little bit with some of the wonky varieties or heritage varieties. So I'll grow like five or six different kinds. I try to do it as cheaply as possible. So honestly, I'm often growing in like uh, coffee cups that people have thrown away. <laughs> Either I'm using my own that I've, I've used or I'm picking them up and I, uh, some people make cute little um, pots out of toilet paper rolls. You just make a clip in, uh, four clips on each side in the bottom and then you kind of fold it in like it's a little box lid and then you fill it with soil you can start seeds there um, even if you just have a big um, pan like or a big plastic container fill it with soil and just sprinkle the seeds over top so I, I like to start seeds because I like the challenge. Um, and of course, tomatoes need to be started. Peppers need to be started. Herbs definitely need to be started. I used to go a bit crazy and I would start things like pumpkins or zucchini. They actually grow really fast. So if you start them too soon and if you don't have the proper light, those plants are going to get what we call leggy. So um, you want plants to kind of grow in a steady solid way but if there's not enough light for them they try and reach for it and then they kind of get very thin and long instead of a strong solid stalk that's they're they're reaching out so um what i realized is there's no reason to start pumpkins on april 1st right so i had all these crazy leggy pumpkins uh, zucchini it grows so fast anyway just put it in the ground don't don't you waste your time having it in your house so um, I'm trying to think of things that I've missed. You don't always meet, like people who are probably super serious about it have grow lights. So that does help. You can grow plants that then aren't going to get leggy because the light's right there. And I do notice in places um, like PV Mart and uh, Apache Seeds, you can find sort of indoor growing kits that will really give the plants the light they need. The light raises as the plants grow. But again, I'm like super cheap and I like things to be easy. So I have a crazy huge south facing window. That's enough for a lot of plants. Um, so it, you know, if you don't have a, a nice big south facing window, they are likely not going to get enough light, but mine do. So, and usually what I'm starting is all those things, tomatoes, eggplants, um, some peppers and uh, some herbs. So it is important like you could start beans, you could start, like there's lots of things you could start, um, but if they just grow fine when you plant them in the ground in the spring, to me, it doesn't make quite as much sense. And again, if you start them too early, then they're gonna get, um, 
they're going to not grow like sturdy and strong because they're going to be reaching for that light. Um, so you have to figure out a watering system. I know some people get a kind of um, warm mat that you can put under your containers and that warmth uh, helps them germinate and apparently helps them grow faster. I, I think one thing we don't realize is that germinating seeds like darkness and moisture. So what I tend to do is um, if I have a tray with my plants that I'm starting on it, I'll actually, I'll water it really well and then I'll wrap it in a black garbage bag and I actually put it on top of my fridge because my that's pretty warm, right? And that gives them that little kind of warmth and darkness that they need to germinate. And then once they've germinated, I'll bring them down. I still like to keep them a bit moist, um, but again, you don't want to keep them too moist because, um, one of the things that happens sometimes it's called damping off they they get a little fungal infection and and they um it's almost like they're too wet so the stalk kind of uh rots and they they break so they've germinated fine they've grown maybe three or four inches and now you see them sort of the the stalk sort of thins out and they break so that means you've kept them too moist once they've germinated one of the other things I do too is I have a fan and I will just put the fan on a few times a day. Um, the wind that plants experience when they're out in the garden helps build the strength of their stalk. And so when they're in your house, there's generally no wind, right? And so I will turn a fan on just, you know, an ordinary house fan. Um, and that just helps them, you know, get some movement and it helps mean that they're going to be stronger plants. Um, and then I guess the other thing that you want to think about if you start seedlings is when you take them outside, uh, it's easy to like shock them because even if they're getting light in the window, it's still not the intensity of the sun. So if it's like, okay, plant, you're done, out you go with the wind and the sun, they will often um, suffer. Uh, sometimes the leaves get kind of burnt. Um, they'll Sometimes they wilt and curl up. So you want to do what's called hardening off, which means you put them outside gradually. You don't just take them and put them out and they're out. You would take them out, you know, it's sort of like your kids. You want them to have a little bit of danger so they learn and then a little bit more. So you're taking your plants out um, and maybe putting them in a shady spot, not in the sun for a few hours on a, on a warm afternoon. And then the next day you'll put them out a little longer or the next day maybe you move them into a slightly sunnier area. And then the next day you're gonna leave them out overnight. So that's one thing to think about also when you're starting um, when you're starting plants, because if you start hundreds and hundreds of plants, then you, if you're doing the hardening off, then you're like moving them in and out. I was just thinking that I was like, oh my goodness, that sounds like a lot of work. So, so much maybe work. I need to prep so much myself. Work. Absolutely. I remember someone saying, oh yeah, I think she got her partner to build little dollies and they had a garage. And so all her plants were on these little dollies on the garage. And every day she would like roll them out and then roll them back. And you know, I, there are times when I've just shoved the plants outside, but you definitely see that they, they're like, whoa, it's sort of like 
too much for them. So, so that hardening off piece is an important piece. So, so yeah, I, were you thinking of starting some seeds this year? Yeah, I am. I've always seen on Instagram and and my, my friends, they're all starting their seeds and every year, just like you were mentioning, I feel really overwhelmed because I, I forget to do it or I just don't have enough time. Yeah. And then I feel guilty. And then I'm like, well, I guess it's over for me. I can't start a garden, (laughs) but to know the fact that you brought up you know, those, um, bedding plants there, you know, most of them are made because the growing season is not long enough for them. And I never knew that. So that yeah. makes me feel great. Yeah. And also they offer that flexibility and that if you don't have enough time to start the seedlings, then yeah. it's okay. You yeah. can just plant those bedding plants. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here to absolve you of all that guilt. I think, I think because gardening like has really picked up in popularity and because there are so many visuals connected to it, I think it can, that, that um, dynamic can emerge, which is, oh, I'm seeing what everyone else is doing and it's not what I'm doing and I'm behind. And especially if, you, if you're new and trying something mm-hmm. and, and you don't have the experience um, to sort of know that it's totally okay. You, you don't even have to put a single seed in the ground until like May 15th, right? Like you could, you could randomly buy, I mean, of course, most gardening takes a little bit more preparation, but you could practically randomly buy seeds from Canadian Tire on your way home on May 15th, and you'll still have something, right? So I do think it's really important that people don't get, um, it's not, it, it does take work, um, and it does take a certain amount of time commitment. You can give it a lot or a little, depending on your, and you can go wild. You can find a zillion heritage types of plants. You can, you can water them faithfully, but you know, the rain waters plants, like also you can just let the rain do it. Right. So I think there's lots of ways that you can do it. That is, um, satisfying and maybe a little less stressful and a little less, um, anxiety producing. So absolutely. I think there's based on what you've said, there's so many different ways to fit your lifestyle and just the tips you you've given us in this like 40 minute conversation have been so insightful. Like it, it takes all of the anxiety away because I, I was like, well, I'm going to have to sit and, and scroll through Google and try to figure this out on my own. No, but now no. I, I feel, I feel equipped and ready yeah. and excited to, yeah. to start and to get Good. going. Yeah. I'm so glad. And, and since you mentioned, um, scrolling through Google and figuring out on your own, I do think a really great way to, um, learn and grow and connect. Of course, there's many online communities. So there's, um, uh, I think there's Alberta gardening on Facebook. There's, and, and there's, those are places where people are very, um, willing to answer beginner questions. There is a whole um, ethos on that uh, site, which is uh, no one is uh, knowledge shamed, right? Because yeah. the assumption is we want we want to share knowledge and we want people to feel they can ask questions. Um, another really great um, organization is Edmonton Horticultural Society. So they meet monthly for uh, speakers. They have speakers once a month and at their, it's usually at Central Lions and they usually have um, sort of vendors or experts or, you know, people who've written books set up there so you can kind of browse and connect and then they'll have speakers and, you know, not all the topics are things that I would necessarily gravitate towards, but it just brings you into a community of people who are passionate about gardening. 
Another event which I would really recommend um, people join, uh, it's usually the third Sunday of March. I would have to look to see what date that is this year. It's the Sunday nearest the spring equinox mm -hmm. and it's called CD Sunday. And it is an event that uh, stems from Seeds of Diversity Canada. So 20 or 30, uh, 30 40 years ago, they started hosting um, a, gar a sort of a local garden focused event and they happen all across Canada. Mm -hmm. So what, what you'll find in Alberta is CD Saturdays in Calgary, and then everyone there comes up to CD Sunday in Edmonton. And there is a community of local seed producers who are harvesting seeds from the prairies that they are testing and watching and, and crossing or whatever. And you can connect with those seed growers as well as a number of other organizations, whether compost school, um, tool makers, uh, like pollinator research, uh, Alberta Native Bee Council has been there before, Edmonton Area Land Trust. So it's a whole, it's almost a, it's a gathering of all of these local organizations who are excited about gardening and, and thinking about gardening, sometimes in alternative ways, uh, thinking about green gardening, emphasizing longevity, like the saving of seeds, they'll have speakers. Um, this year, it will be at the, it's, this year will be the first year it's back in person since the pandemic. So that's exciting. And it'll be at the Edmonton Public Library. So that will enable people also to take advantage of the seed library which is at edmonton public library that is another great thing to do if you are a starter gardener or you have limited income you can take 15 packs of seeds at a time so you go you don't even need a library card you can sign those seeds out and you can go and plant them and they have them broken down i think into vegetables herbs native plants flowers um, so that's also a great resource. And the, the other thing at um, the CD Sunday event is that there are seeds there for exchange. Mm -hmm. So people who've saved seeds from their own flowers or vegetables, put them out for other people to take. So it's, it's a really great place to tap into both for knowledge and resources. And it's the third Sunday of March at the Edmonton Public Library. Oh, that's awesome. That it's so great to know that there's so many different organizations, groups that you can come together and learn from one another and, and grow that community piece. And I know I'm definitely, I'm going to, after this search the CD Sunday date, and I want to be there. And that sounds like such an amazing time to come together and, and get excited about the growing season and, and get some tools to get started. Yeah, for sure. And I think then that leads you to for instance, Edmonton Horticulture Society, they do open open gardens every summer. It, sometimes people have an idea about gardening that is very much about the flowers and the aesthetics, which is maybe less about the food than I think probably we're talking a little bit more about food, but it's still great to see lots of different visions of gardening. Um, there's often a community garden tour, bicycle tour actually. Um, this year it was in Mill Woods and oh. people brought their bicycles and they went around, you know, and bicycled from garden to garden. Um, so there are several events during the year that you can participate in. The Edmonton Urban Farm is open 
every Saturday during the summer. It's also open on open farm days, sort of for a larger celebration and to hear some experts talk. And so I think once you, if it feels, for some people, I would say gardening maybe is a bit of a solitary affair. Mm -hmm. You're out in, in the outdoors and the sunshine and the breeze and you're, um, your hands are in the dirt, you're watching your plants grow, you're observing pollinators. That is quite tranquil. It can be soul filling. It maybe is just what you need, even like pulling the weeds out of the ground, right? Even though sometimes I've heard arguments uh, from uh, a couple of people, you should cut them so the weeds rot and it adds back to the soil. So there's always lots of different ways to do things. But uh, yeah, when you pull those weeds out, it's like so therapeutic. <laughs> But also, there are ways in which I would say gardening really brings communities together. And especially if you're seeking knowledge and seeking connection, there are many ways to do it. I always think about um, uh, Ron Berison, who was a person who he his business was called the Urban Farmer. And uh, he has since left Edmonton, but he talks about how he grew Saskatoons along the side of his house, which was right by the sidewalk. And so he had so many conversations with people because they would see the Saskatoons and they would stop and pick them. And so then, you know, I think if you wanted to meet your neighbors, you should probably just plant Saskatoons in your front yard or, or something else, something else like flowers or strawberries, because as soon as they're out there, then you're out there working. And as soon as you're out on your front lawn, then, you know, that's the that's the key to interacting with neighbors. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's a whole way of building community. So it could be both. It could be very tranquil and solitary, which is fine. And it can also be move into the realm of mm -hmm. community, public sharing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing about gardening is, is yeah. you can do it your own way and you can be solitary. You can meet your neighbors. There's, there's, it's so multifaceted, the benefits, yeah. environmental, yeah. personal, social, economic it's I think yeah. it's such an amazing thing that we can do and there's tools to do it for a lower cost like you were saying yeah. the Edmonton Absolutely. public library with that seed library you can use toilet paper rolls to start your seedlings like it doesn't have to be something that's out of reach because yeah. of economic or or time capacity yeah. yeah there is a way for everyone to start well this has been such an enlightening conversation I feel like well equipped to head into this growing season and to start my seedlings maybe and so this has just been so fantastic. Patty, thank you so much for chatting with me today and, and giving us all of your knowledge. Uh, and, and I hope that people listening are able to take some of the tools they've learned today and implement them in their own garden. Cool. That's awesome. I hope so too. Thanks so much. You know, we're so, we're so excited about gardening and about being able to share the skills and share the space. And, and we were so thrilled to receive the Emerald Award. So it's, you know, we're always happy to spread the word and, and make it easier for people, right? And just like that, the last episode of What on Earth Can We Do Season 4. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you tuned in to the rest of Season 4, or at least a few episodes. We'd love to hear what you thought. If you want to provide your feedback and help us improve for next season, you can click the link in the show notes. The What on Earth Can We Do podcast is a program of the Alberta Emerald Foundation, a nonprofit charity that showcases, inspires, and empowers Alberta's environmental achievements. To learn more about the Alberta Emerald Foundation, head to our website, emeraldfoundation.ca, or follow us on social media at Alberta Emerald. A big thank you to our sponsors, the City of Edmonton, 
the government of Alberta, Syncrude, operated by Suncor, Alberta Beverage Container Recycling Corporation and Beverage Container Management Board, Capital Power, the City of Calgary, Dow Canada, and the Alberta Forest Products Association.